Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome to another edition of the Student Ministry Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Carson. I'm thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue the conversation about student ministry. Now, on today's podcast, we're going to be sharing an interview that Chris and I had with his lead pastor, Dr. Cliff Johnson, about how to preach from the second chair. But before we get to that, I want to thank our sponsors, Central Baptist College of Conway, Arkansas. If your students are looking for that next step, what they're going to do after high school, have them check out Central Baptist College of Conway. They can find information at cbc.edu, but let me just tell you, it is a great place. It's a place where you can grow and you have professors who love you, who care about you, and want Christ to be first place in your life. So have your students check out Central Baptist College. Now, perhaps you are trying to finish up a degree yourself. They also have what's called a PACE program. It's designed for those that have some education under their belt and just need some time to finish up a degree. So again, check that out at cbc.edu. Well, on today's podcast, we're going to be hearing from Dr. Cliff Johnson about... Uh, those things that we might need to do, what we might need to be if we're trying to preach from the second chair position. Meaning, if you're a family pastor, a youth pastor, a children's pastor, any of those type of roles, um, as you step into the pulpit, it can be a little bit intimidating. And so we want to give you some things to think about today as we continue the conversation about student ministry. Well, thanks for being on the podcast with us, Cliff. Hey, happy to be here, Dan. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, have enjoyed your podcast uh, over the last year. And so, man, I'm just excited to be here with you and Chris. Well, Chris, I thought this would be a great time for you to build up your pastor. Why don't you introduce uh, your pastor to, to our listeners? Yes. So today we have the privilege of interviewing the Dr. Cliff Johnson. Cliff has been uh, the senior pastor of Garrett Memorial Baptist Church in Hope, Arkansas for the past 16 years and uh, is currently the president of the Baptist Missionary Association of America. He's been there for, I think, a whole two months, maybe. Cliff, is, he earned his, uh, his bachelor's degree at Central Baptist College. He got an MDiv at Mid-America Theological Seminary. I think is how we say that. Isn't that right, Cliff? And yeah, a doctor of Baptist, been America Baptist. Yep, and uh, he got a doctor of ministry uh, at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Cliff is Christie's husband, and Jack Sam is Sophie's dad. He has also been a dog owner for one year, but I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not sure if he is a dog lover yet. I'm gonna let Cliff let us know about that. Yeah. 
So what type of dog do you have, Cliff? Uh, we have it's an Australian Shepherd Lab mix. Okay. And this is this is a COVID dog. This COVID. is a direct result of COVID because we had planned this really epic trip for our kids, uh, birthday and Christmas. We we like to do experience things, and uh, because of the, I, it, it might actually maybe it's not COVID. Maybe it was snow. Maybe it's when we got that big snow. Oh yeah, that yeah. got canceled, and they were. I mean, it just devastated them, and so they got me. They got to me, and I, I'm not a dog lover, <laughs> but I do love my kids, and so their persistence in begging paid off, and we got a dog. Well, I know Chris is not exactly a cat lover, but somehow managed to end up with two in his home. Yeah, his, yeah. His are functional cats. Like they're they're getting rid of mice and stuff in your shop aren't they yeah let's go with yes let's go with yes <laughs> they're yeah, supposed that, to be doing that yeah that mouse yeah. that i saw just yesterday carrying around some poison in his mouth i have a different story yeah but, uh, yeah yeah so I, I do i do need to say just in uh because i know sydney my wife will probably listen to this and she'll be shaking her head um uh, there's one of those cats that is starting to grow on me. I'll, I will admit that on, on the podcast in full honesty. Uh, one of the cats is starting to grow on me. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a little hint of loyalty, but also I'm guarded because I know what that usually turns into in cats. Mm. So, <laughs> well, you guys know my wife is a therapist. And so we've had a double doodle, half labradoodle, half golden doodle for, about three years, my wife decided that that dog needed a dog to keep it busy. <laughs> Looking ahead at that next dog for the, the office. So we ended up with, well, we, what we thought was going to be a schnoodle, but its parentage was a bit in question. It turns out it's a Havanese poodle mix and he's a maniac um, oh, driving me yeah. nuts. But my wife had an opportunity to get a Labradoodle thinking, okay, well, this dog needs a dog. And so now we have three dogs in our home. I'm not too sure about this. Um, and two of them are under a year. They're insane. But I love my wife. So yeah. <laughs> it sounds it a lot Christmas. like when you give a mouse a cookie. You know, it, it is. builds and builds. That's exactly it. It is. Well, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about preaching. Um, Dr. Cliff Johnson has a, a doctor ministry and with a focus and concentration in expository preaching. And I wanted him to speak to those of us who have those opportunities given to us by our lead pastor, because whether it is the Sunday after Christmas or the Sunday after New Year's or the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend or Labor Day weekend, somehow those become youth pastor Sundays. Now, occasionally we get other opportunities as well. Maybe it's a fifth Sunday or just the pastor's going to be gone on vacation. Or if you're in a, a really great situation, honestly, your lead pastor is giving you those opportunities and helping you grow in your preaching throughout the year. But the simple truth is the lead pastor is the primary speaker from the platform. So how do we navigate that as someone who comes in and is just there for a moment? And that's what we're going to talk about. But before we get to that, I wanted to give you an opportunity as our listeners to get to know Cliff a little bit better. And so, Cliff, could you share with us your your call to Christ, how you came to know Jesus as your Savior? 
Absolutely. Uh, I grew up at Temple Baptist Church in Little Rock with where your wife attended, Dan. And uh, I was eight years old whenever whenever I was saved. It was in the middle of a revival. I just it's, it's really kind of strange looking back on it because there was a lot of fear in my life at that time. Some certain things had taken place in my life to just kind of provoke fear. And I remember uh, being, it was a Tuesday night. I remember being at that revival and after church, I remember going out into the courtyard and, and just having a very real sense of if the Lord came back right now, if he were to return right now, uh, I would not be, I would not be with him. I would not be one of his. And that physically upset me, physically disturbed me so much so that that night my mom came into my room and asked if everything was okay with me, uh, what was wrong. And I told her what was going on in my heart and head. And uh, she brought me into my parents' bedroom. And I remember sitting on the corner of my of my parents' bed with my mom leading me to the Lord, uh, telling me that, that Christ had come to die for my sins. And and that I that I needed him, and so it was actually my mom who led me to the Lord, and uh, and so I remember praying, and I remember being there with my mom at that time. A couple of days later, we met with our pastor, brother Richard Walters, and I have another vivid memory of sitting on on the couch in his office, and and he asked me the question, uh, Cliff, do you believe that that Jesus has come to live in your heart? And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> Because I was, as an eight-year-old, I was thinking literally, and I, I did not have a recollection in the last couple of days of somebody invading my heart in that way. And so uh, I was like, no, no, I don't, I don't think he has. And so once we got that communication cleared up, there was just some assurances given there. And one of the sweet things about that time was I'd never heard my mom or my dad talk about their conversion story. And so it was in meeting with my pastor that that I got to hear how my mom and dad were saved. And so that was that was really important uh, and just a, a milestone in my life and just an encouragement to all the parents out there. Don't wait for that. You know, share how, how you came to know the Lord regularly around the dinner table and all this stuff. Don't let it be a secret or a mystery. But that's how I came to know the Lord. Uh, it was back in 1986. And from there, you know, just kind of toddled along, probably grew in my faith uh, in the high school years due to our church and a baseball coach that I had, uh, Coach Mike Johnson, and some really close friends. Sports, I was, eat, I was eating up with sports, played a lot of baseball, went to college playing baseball. I thought that was my career path, either through playing or through coaching or something like that. And uh, it was while I was in college that the Lord started minimizing my desire to play and increasing this this strange desire to to teach to teach the Bible to go deeper in my walk with Christ, I was playing at UALR and we had started this kind of Bible study with just a couple of guys, and and it grew to our whole baseball team, the soccer team, the girls' soccer team. It was just kind of this wild thing that happened, and I remember uh, I knew what the Lord was doing. I knew exactly what He was doing. I wasn't crazy about it, but. But it was it was during that time that the Lord was calling me to ministry. And so that's whenever I gave up playing ball. That's when I started pursuing my studies uh, at Central Baptist. Uh, that would have been, goodness, maybe 1998, 99, something like that. And so from there, 
it's it's been it's been a roller coaster. It's been good though. So you mentioned being at ULR and Temple Baptist mm-hmm. Church is still in that area. Yeah. What was your attendance and your involvement in church like when you were in your college years? Those early ones. Yeah. So my first two years of college, I was in Oklahoma. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I was at a little JUCO playing ball there, and it was it was pretty scarce uh, because we were on the road a lot. But the summer after my sophomore year, I was in Dallas, Texas, playing in a little uh, league down there, and that's really when all this started of of the Lord calling me into ministry. He used a good friend of mine, Mark Kincannon. Uh, he and I just really pushed one another. And, and we were going to church every chance we could while we were in Dallas and, and all the churches. I mean, this was when this was during that time in, in your in your life and in your spiritual growth where you're kind of tiptoeing out into other yeah. areas of Christianity and just what else, what else is out there besides this little Baptist bubble that I've been in. And so we were going to all the churches and, and that that kind of continued, actually, uh, whenever I got to UALR. So my church involvement at UALR was I was heavy involved with our youth group at temple. Uh, but then I would, it was so funny because on Sundays I would wake up early and I would go to a black church, uh, St. Mark's Baptist church down on university. And so I'd go to their early service and then I would go to temples service. And then after that, I would go to my high school baseball coaches church, which, which was an assembly of God church. And I just loved to hear him sing. He was a singer. And so I would go there because they would always be running late or they would be on time for them, but it would be late to us. And so I would on Sundays, I would go three different times, you know, to three different churches. And so I was I was really investigating what is biblical, what is right uh, and and where do I fit in all that? So that uh, when I was in college, Brother Martin Jameson was my pastor and he helped me navigate a lot of those waters. I couldn't remember the timeline. And and you mentioned Brother Walters being your pastor. I just mm-hmm. going from a black church to where Brother Walters was being the pastor to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to another yeah. church. I'm like, wow, what a yeah, range. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dr. Jameson is a little different uh, yeah. than Brother Walters. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, yeah. well, in addition to, to pastoring and leading, you're involved in a I don't want to know if we want to call it an initiative. I do know that you guys have a podcast um, mm-hmm. that you're helping others. It's called the Preaching Lab. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So the Preaching Lab started just at several years ago out of a desire for there to be some kind of continuing education, some type, some type of continuing sharpening for preachers. Because one of the things that I discovered about myself is you, you can have a lot of education and a lot of back and forth with other seminary students and stuff like that. But once you once you kind of get out of the education aspect and just are solely in ministry, you don't have a lot of people helping you become a better preacher. Right. And so I, one of the things that I got tired of, it, and because my wife got tired of it, was me asking her every Sunday, how was that sermon? What do I need to do? And that's that's just simply not the the wife's role and it and it makes her become a critiquer of sermons instead of just a listener and participating in that way. So I thought, why not use my other pastor friends? Why couldn't we get together and preach for one another and try to help one another out? And so the preaching lab was kind of birthed out of that idea. So now we we try to do conferences when we can. We try to and and a conference in the sense of not having speakers come in and 
speak to us on how to be a better preacher, but just us regular blue collar, regular Joes who are in the trenches week after week, preaching for one another and then sharpening ourselves on that, sanding off rough spots in our preaching and, and just helping one another in that way. It's a fantastic work. I mean, I, I enjoy the podcast. I love just the mindset behind it. Um, and so it's, it's just a, a really good work. Well, again, we're going to be talking about those opportunities that we have as the second guy, um, as the youth pastor, you know, whatever specific role we have, but we have those unique opportunities to speak. And so let me ask you, Chris, how often does Cliff let you speak at, there at, at Garrett Memorial? You know, Cliff is very gracious with with the pulpit. Um, he's so everything he just said about sharpening pastors and sharpening preachers and sharpening his own preaching, but also other people's preaching is, is very true. And and I would say over the last seven and a half years that I've been at Garrett, on average, uh, he he allows me to preach. I'd say anywhere from eight to ten times a year. You know, something like that, I would say. I mean, so, and, and, and they're not all just like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm out of town this week. Will you fill in? Um, it's, it's intentional and say, hey, you know, let's let's look ahead and let's see, you know, when when you can preach. And, and yeah, there are those times where, I mean, where we got each other's backs, you know, where, yeah, he is going to be out of town and, and I fill right. the role or, or, or vice versa, that kind of thing. And so, I mean, we, we operate as a team in that way. But, you know, Cliff, Cliff loves to preach. Uh, I don't think I don't think there's any uh, arguing there. He, he's he would admit that, and 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 so like it, it's it has to be intentional for him to say, hey, I need you to preach this week because he he really loves to preach. Let me just give you an example. A few weeks ago, he on a preaching lab trip was out of the country for I don't know how many days. Cliff seven seven eight days thirteen like that thirteen okay thirteen days. I really missed you. <laughs> And uh, he was going to be getting back, I think, on a on a Saturday, you know. And so I asked him, you know, before he left, I was like, hey, do you, you want me to preach that Sunday? He's like, no, I think I got it. <laughs> and I, I just, I was like, oh, okay, are, are you sure? I mean, because I don't mind. He's like, no, I, I think I'll be jet lagged enough. I'll be up and, you know, I'll, I'll be ready to go and that kind of thing. You know, and I just say that to say, you know, that's that's his mentality. I mean, he, right, one, right. I, 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 it's, it's not just a matter of obligation, even though I, I think he would. And I don't want to put words in his mouth. I think as a lead pastor of the church, he certainly does feel a certain obligation to to be in the pulpit uh, because of the of the role that he has been given in our church. But uh, but he genuinely loves loves to preach. And so I'm answering more than what you asked, but I I get to preach eight to ten times a year. uh, But I just needed to reiterate that that's always been a a point of of, uh, something that I've been very thankful for. Uh, because of his love for preaching and and he doesn't uh, in any way uh, try to control control me he, he he does a good job of of really mentoring me and helping me become a better preacher and I'm thankful for that I love hearing about that because often there, there's not that sort of partnership one a, a church may not have a second guy that can that can do that uh, but also there's this insecurity from the lead pastor. And where they're afraid to let that that other guy speak, but I know um, Cliff, you dealt with COVID, and Chris had to jump in at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. My pastor went on a sabbatical for a short time, so I had an extra seven eight weeks where I was preaching. Uh, there are those opportunities. Um, so, Cliff, when you when you're thinking about it, when you are handing those responsibilities over to Chris 
or if it was before Chris, because you've been there a long time, 16 years. Um, what are you thinking? What are your expectations of what that person's going to do when they come into the to the pulpit? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with what that particular person, minister, pastor, how they see themselves fitting in the life of the church. Okay. And so with Chris, uh, we don't even, Chris is not our youth pastor. Chris is just one of the pastors of our church. Right. Uh, and so I think that, I think that becomes important to communicate to our entire people that because whether we like it or not, they, there is a hierarchy in their minds. There is the, you know, hierarchy of leadership, which is, which is right and good. There's gotta be someone to answer, uh, to answer to and to answer from. Uh, but I want our people to know that when it comes to, uh, who has the ability to counsel, who has the authority to counsel, who has the ability to preach from the pulpit and the authority to do so that Chris is Chris can do that. Chris is just as much that guy. He's not just the relief pitcher for whenever I want to be on vacation, because if that's the mentality, uh, then then your people will take vacation when you take vacation Mm -hmm. as well. And they'll see this as a Sunday to just be gone. And so I definitely don't want that because that's not how I, I just don't view Chris in that way. But a lot of that is because Chris, Chris doesn't want to be that Chris wants to be a pastor. And so I think it has a lot to do with how that second person views their role in the church and, and how they operate within the ministry of the church. Uh, so as far as expectations, I expect Chris, uh, and this may sound really simplistic, but, but maybe I think you'll understand. I expect Chris to preach. Mm. I, I don't expect him to, to come up there and to do... Uh, a youth ministry object lesson or anything like that. I expect him to preach right, because right. that's what I expect of him when he does youth ministry. Like on Wednesday nights when he's talking to the students and I tell him this and he does this, I don't want, I don't want to talk. I want a sermon. I want you to preach to our kids uh, because they need to, they need to be preached too. Uh, and sometimes as a, Someone who's preaching to students, you can say a lot more uh, in a lot clearer, uh, bolder ways you can, to students than you can to adults. And so, uh, and, and Chris does that. So my expectations are for him to preach, uh, to take a passage of scripture and to explain what it means and to press it into the hearts of the people there. So that might be overly simplistic, but I think there's some real... Uh, some real heart work that has to be done with those guys in the second position, especially if they spend a lot of their time in youth ministry that, that look, you're not, you're not the, you're not the guy that comes up here and who is, who's the funny guy or anything like that. You've got to get up here and preach. And so that's, that's one of my expectations. Uh, and, and, and Chris does that. Absolutely. This could be for either one of you, but when you are uh, in that type of role, when you you have the opportunity to speak in, in the platform, now I know this will be different from church to church, but Cliff, are you specifically wanting Chris to to carry on with uh, whatever series is going on, or do you 
want that to be different? I know it again, it may be different from time to time, but what, what sure. are your thoughts on that? Most of the time, uh, he's continuing whatever series that we're in. Uh, that's mainly for the benefit of our people. Mm, it's yeah. not necessarily easy for, for, for that person to step in uh, and to, to continue a train of thought that I'm having uh, or that the text is presenting. But, but he's going to continue in, this, in the sermon series more times than not. Uh, and, and one of the reasons why Chris will preach not just when I'm gone, but when I'm sitting in the audience as well, is because I want our people to see learning from the platform, from the pulpit, that, that I need to be receiving God's word, uh, and I'm receiving it from Chris. Uh, and so, yeah, there's, if there's a one-off sermon, it's usually in between sermon series. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's jumping in there into the midst of the sermon series that, that we're doing. Well, Chris, he, he, he mentioned it. Uh, is that harder or is that easier? Uh, it, it's, it's harder uh, for sure because um, there's, there's a flow, as, as most preachers know, to preaching. And when you're preaching through a series and you're studying through that, that book uh, as, the, as the main guy, um, you're, you're, you're looking at not just what you're saying that week, but looking at ahead and at where you're going and that kind of thing. And so, uh, for someone to step in there and to, uh, and to preach a one-off sermon as part of a series, I find it personally a little bit more difficult, but, but I wouldn't have it any other way because, right. because the, this is one, I, I, I love to preach. Um, I, I'm called to preach and, um, and in that task, I want to I want to get better at preaching. And if, if I'm if Cliff came to me and simply said, "Hey, you know, you're preaching this week. Uh, you can preach whatever you want," then my flesh wants to go to something that's easy, something that I've already preached, something that I I feel like you know um, is not going to take a lot of preparation or, or whatever the reason might be. And, and so. Um, for, for him to say, hey, you know, you're preaching this week and, and here's here's the next text, you know, in the series, that kind of thing. And that, that just that, that puts me into a, a completely different train of thought uh, to where I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm preparing a brand new sermon. I'm going to be preaching it for the first time on this coming Sunday and, you know, all those kind of things. And, and, I, and I would say just as a, you know, the other part that makes that a little bit difficult. Um, but again, none of this is. I wouldn't have it any other way is, you know, you're preparing a sermon on, on top of usually the, the, what you're preparing for a Wednesday night. Yeah. So it, yeah. it stretches you that way and, and it gets you, you're having to put yourself as the, you know, if, if I'm normally, which I am preparing a sermon for Wednesday night, now all of a sudden I'm having to put myself into a different mindset of preparation from a Monday through a Friday for that Sunday sermon. Um, yeah. So there's, it, it adds some difficulty there. But again, it's that's all part of the that's all part of the process. It's all part of getting better um, at, at yeah. preaching and learning and growing and and uh, and so I, I appreciate that very much. And and in Cliff's defense, I mean, there's there's certainly times where I mean, he's come up to me and he said, "Hey, you know, uh, when you preach in a couple of weeks, feel free to if you want to preach something else, you can." Uh, but here's here's where we are in the in the series and. Um, and like he said, it, it usually comes down to because our mindset is is the same on this. Um, 
it doesn't need to be about what's easiest for me. It needs to be what's about what's best for our people. And, uh, and we, we just have the, the mindset that we need to, we need to keep going through the, through the text of scripture yeah. and, and not just do something that is, yeah. that feels easier, so to speak. Well, for me, one of the, I, I'd almost say not the opposite of what you're saying there, Chris, but I will tell you that it is easier when Kurt comes to me and says, Hey, in four weeks, I'm going to be gone or I need you to fill in for me. Here's where we're going to be at. I'm like, great. There's that. I could dwell on it for a few weeks out, spend some time with it. Often when it's, hey, I need you to preach. And it's, you know, within that 24-hour window, I'm like, oh, what am I going to cover? <laughs> and so um, so there are definitely some, some advantages and disadvantages of staying in that series. But it's one of the things that I love about expository preaching. We're working through the text. We're allowing the text to speak to us and to our people. And it's just very powerful stuff. Well, Cliff, you know, that's what you're expecting. You're expecting um, Chris or you're expecting whoever that you're asking to fill that pulpit to come up and to preach the word, not to tell a story, not to do um, a half hour comedy bit, you know, anything like that. You're wanting them to preach. So what are some suggestions, some things that you would encourage us uh, to do as the second guy or maybe the third or fourth or whatever role we have at the church? Um, what are some things that we could do in that preparation mode as we prepare to step into the pulpit when we're not the normal guy to do that? Yeah. How would, how would you, what would you say? Well, I think one thing from my, my end that it sounds like Kirk does with you as well, Dan, is that you want to give that, that second person plenty of lead time Yeah. because just because they're preaching on Sunday doesn't mean that they've got, that they've given up what they're doing on Wednesdays or anything else throughout <laughs> yeah. the week. And so that's that's honestly why Chris probably doesn't preach more is because I know that he's preparing for Wednesday. I know that he's teaching classes throughout the week. Um, so that's that's a, a big part of that. But in preparation, what I would say is I would I like it. And Chris does this when he comes to me with with what he's working through in that text mm. and say, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think about this? Do you think I'm in the right direction? Do you think I'm in the same ballpark? Because it's not that it's not that Chris gets a a different meaning out of the text, but Chris thinks about things differently than I do. Right. Yeah. And so I always enjoy and and I do this with him. It's it's very often that I'll walk into his office and interrupt his day and say, "Here's what I'm thinking about this text. What do you think?" And then he kind of turns the diamond in a different way to see a different shade of of glimmer and glory there. I just I just enjoy that. So I I think that that second person needs to needs to let their pastor know what they're thinking about the text and what direction that they're going with it. And then another thing that I would suggest is for that second person to be able to say something specific that they want to work on in their preaching that the pastor can be listening for. Because that's one of the reasons why I want Chris to preach when I'm there is not only so that I can be fed, but so that somebody can give him some feedback besides Sydney. Yeah. You know, on on uh, some things, whether it's illustrations, whether it's his tone, w- whatever. So those are a couple of things is to let the pastor know what direction you're headed. And then also to bring to the pastor, hey, here's here's some areas, some specific things that I'm trying to work on in my preaching. Would you be aware of those things? Well, I know that my wife over the years, well, especially those early years when I would preach, I would ask her, well, how did I do? And she hated that. She yep. hated it. To the point where I've stopped 
stopped asking that question. And now it's just kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm old enough. I, I should know, well, here's where I could have done better. Uh, it's one of the reasons I love the preaching lab and, um, am hopeful to get involved in one of your conferences. And in fact, you have some cohort stuff coming up. Are those yep. all lined out already or are there still We've opportunities? Got- yeah, there's still opportunity for sure. Uh, we've got one that's going to be started. Well, we've got several that are starting in January. Uh, there's one in the Greenbrier area that Gary O'Neill, Conway Greenbrier that Gary O'Neill is going to run. And then we're going to do an online one, uh, probably through Zoom, that I think you know, we're, you're, you're talking about being involved yep. in a guy in Houston uh, and a couple of guys from around here. And then we've got some, some guys ready to lead some in the El Dorado Magnolia area. So if anybody out there in that wants to get better we're going to be looking at narratives narrative preaching uh and just kind of dissecting how we handle those and how we present those so let me ask kind of as a follow-up to you know you've also have not just staff members who are coming into the pulpit but there are times when we're going to be invited to to speak at other churches even because of the nature of our role, it's going to happen on occasion. I, I would, I was speaking to someone about speaking at a D now weekend and they were saying, well, if you could stick around till Sunday, you could speak in the morning service. If you have somebody coming in or, you know, to, just to fill the pulpit, is, is that the same expectation that one word preach or do you have some other things in mind? Yeah. Uh, that I would start there. They, you know, if we have somebody coming in, so say if it's a missionary, Right. Or uh, and, and you know, Chris said that I'm generous with the pulpit, uh, and what he means by that is I'm generous with him. I'm pretty stingy <laughs> with other people, just like my lead, my lead pastor. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I do want that missionary to come in. Hey, I want to hear about your work. I want to know how we can support. But when the time comes, you've got to you've got to preach. Yeah. Um, because our people have to be fed. They have to be fed. And so it is that expectation that we make clear with them that we want you to that we do want you to preach. I'm not going to tell them, hey, this has got to be an expository sermon. I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just let them let them preach. So that's my main expectation that I give to them. I'm also going to try to plan that strategically uh, uh, that occasion. And so, for instance, in January, February, in build up to World Missions Day, is probably when we're going to have a missionary come in to to do something. And a lot of times, a lot of times these are these are young guys in the ministry that honestly their focus is on what they're going to be doing on the mission field. So a lot of times we don't even uh, ask them to preach as much as we do. We just want to do an interview with them. So we might do a uh, five to ten minute interview. To oh, get yeah. out their major things that they're going to do, and and that way, you know, a guy can have great plans, and then if they haven't been preaching very long, that can kind of sabotage uh, in the people's minds uh, how effective they're going to be. Well, that that guy might be a catalytic church planner who can organize and gather up people, and is a great evangelist and a great disciple maker, and that's what's going to get that church going. Right, and then it's going to right. be handed off to someone that's going to be there for a while. And so preaching may not be their strong suit. And, and, and so we don't want to put them in a position to where it's going to hinder a person's thinking about whether or not they're going to be effective in ministry or not. So we may just do an interview with that guy uh, and, and try to help him out that way. So, well, as we, as we kind of, as we get to wrap up here, 
Let me ask, are there any other words for preparation for those of us in that that youth pastor role as we're looking at that great opportunity to to stand in the platform and to share God's word? What other words would you have for us? I would say if you're not familiar with identifying the genre of scripture that you're preaching from, that you need to get familiar with that, that there are different approaches or different things that you're looking for according to the genre that you're preaching. And so a lot of guys that don't do a lot of preaching treat every text the same way as far as approach to the text. And funny enough, the Bible is the only thing that you do that with. You don't read the newspaper in the same way. You don't read the comic section in the same way that you read the police beat. Right. 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 It has to do with what genre you're reading. And so the same thing goes with preaching. If you're, if you're dealing in Proverbs, you've got to understand what you're dealing with versus Paul's epistles or a gospel versus a narrative in the Old Testament. And so to be familiar with what genre you're preaching and then to spend a lot of time trying to identify what we call uh, the structure or the, the, the skeleton of the text. Uh, and, and that takes a lot of work. That's probably where I spend most of my time when it comes to sermon prep. So if those are unfamiliar terms to you, I would be punching the keyboard, uh, (laughs) trying to find out about genres of scripture and structure, what, what we mean by the structure of the text, uh, or the grammar of the text. Well, Cliff, you know, I appreciate all of the advice, the these ideas about um, preparation, because it's it's tough. It's hard for those of us who are stepping into the pulpit um, just once. I don't want to say once in a blue moon, but, you know, it's at times it can feel like that and it can be mm-hmm. intimidating for us. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate that. And listeners, if you want to get connected with a group or listen to a group of guys that are really focusing in on this. The Preaching Lab is a great podcast to get you thinking more about those moments of when you're preaching. One final thought just to our, our listeners that I was going to say that helps with this. And I, I, if you've listened to our podcast, you've heard me say something like this before. And please know before I say it that I, I know that every situation, every like the position that, that you, our, our listeners, may be in, is not the same as mine and it's not the same as anybody else's. So I, I know that there's a variety out there and a lot of different things that come into this. But I think Cliff would nod his head at this, that one of the one of the ways that that we have, I think, grown together as a team, but also the way that that this, you know, him sharing the pulpit with me um, and, and the whole training aspect behind everything that we've been talking about, one way that that, that, that has become easier, but then also I think even more enjoyable is the fact that we both have a mindset of, of serving at our church for the long term. And, and so like we know that the Lord can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. But our mindset has never been, I'm only going to be here for a short amount of time. And, and Cliff has always been, like he said, he's never treated me as just the youth pastor. Uh, he's always seen me as a, as a pastor. He's, he's spoken that into me and it's changed my mindset. I know it has um, because, because when it comes to this and again, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I know not everybody has that mindset. Uh, I understand that. And I know the blessing that I have there, 
But I would say to our, our listeners that there's real benefit when it comes to uh, everything that we're talking about right here. When your mindset shifts from, you know what, I'm going to be here for three or four years to I'm, I want to I want to live life with these people. And I want to yeah. do life in yeah. this place because this is where God has has called me and where he's placed me. And, and I just I believe it changes your whole approach to when it comes to preaching and every opportunity that you get to preach because it's not it's not me trying to showcase myself it's it's me just doing the 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 work that god has called me to do and being faithful to his word and to his people Mm, that's good chris Mm -hmm. well cliff any final words for us yeah i would say uh keep with it just like chris said Uh, take those opportunities seriously and, and preach like it's your last sermon, but also with the mindset that you're going to be there and, and to grow with these people. Uh, you know, I think about I think about First Thessalonians, uh, where Paul is commending those that church on how they received and accepted the word that was preached to them in that they took it as the word of God, not as the word of man, which on the flip side of that, or, or maybe behind the scenes of that, which means that Paul took the word seriously. He took it as the word of God, yeah. and he presented it in a way that was clear, that was convicting, uh, and that was gospel-centered. And so that's that would be something I would put out in front of our all of our guys that are preaching is be clear, you know, be convicted yourself with the sermon, and make it gospel-centered. Well, Cliff, thank you for sharing with us today. And listeners, thank you for being a part of our conversation about student ministry and specifically today about preaching in student ministry and in the life of the church. We're so thankful for you. We're thankful that you've been with us all this time. We're still right under 100 episodes, and so we're going to be celebrating a big milestone very soon. And I thank people like Cliff who have hopped on here and shared their hearts with us. So if you have any questions for Cliff, we're going to have some contact information in our show notes. Um, But just keep going, keep preaching, and be serious about it because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.